So, Gene, do you want to talk about pets real quick before we start yes. the show? Yes, oh I would God. love to talk about pets. <laughs> I have Fine. this new puppy, which I'm sure you guys have seen all over the internet, and he is the sassiest little asshole today. <laughs> He's just a th- worst but he's so cute that i can't even really get mad so right now he's just giving me this really annoyed look because he wants me to hold him and he wants me to hold him like a baby in this heated blanket and he knows that if he gives me this look long enough that i'm probably gonna get up and do it so it's just embarrassing it's embarrassing is what it is Hello, welcome to Fourth and Short Podcast. This is Brian Beversluis, joined by Brad Smith and John DeWong. How are you guys doing tonight? Great. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like Brad. And we are joined by Gina Thomas, our friend from the Falcoholic website, the SB Nation Atlanta Falcons website. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks. How are you? Oh, wonderful. Just the best. Um, I will say that uh, the the introduction she got the first time she was on the show was much better. Yeah, way better. All right, getting criticized 30 seconds in. That's good. Okay. <laughs> um, so, the Panthers beat the Buccaneers on Sunday in a less than inspirational victory where Cam Newton almost fumbled the ball into the Buccaneers' hands and instead turn the game into a win for the Panthers where they clinched the playoff spot. So, Brad, I'll start with you because I love starting with you. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game? Eh, I, <laughs> a lot of eh tonight. A lot, a lot of eh tonight. A lot of yeah. eh. I mean, it, we won, so yay. But, you know, I, I don't know, man. To me, it just felt like that was that was probably – one of the first times in a while that I really felt like we didn't win. Like, even though, even though we did like the score says we did, but we played like shit, man. I mean, we, <laughs> we looked awful on offense for, you know, like three fourths of the game or even more than that. And, you know, even the game winning drive, even, even at the very end, it was almost uh, a complete disaster. Luckily, the ball bounced right back up into Cam Newton's hands. Otherwise, we would have, you know, blown that. And who knows what we would be, where we would be today. I mean, I think we we pretty much have a playoff spot locked up either way. But you know, it just I I didn't have very much confidence after after the game was over. That's certainly fair. I mean, they they barely beat the Buccaneers, but the Buccaneers wow. did come to play. But at the same time, <laughs> you would think they'd have a better chance of blowing a team out like that than especially know, at home a team with a winning record yeah so uh john what were your thoughts i said it in my defensive preview yesterday um 
if that was a boxing match, it would have been a unanimous decision for Tampa Bay. But luckily, yeah. they we go by the scoreboard, and um, I called it the most unconvincing win in the history of football because we did nothing well and somehow won because Tampa Bay just kept giving us the ball and missing field goals and kicking field goals, and we did nothing to earn that win. Well, I, I would say we did one thing well. We played defense pretty well. Um, Aside you know, from, I think, the six plays they had that were like 28 yards or more? Yeah, aside from that, um, <laughs> but we we did force three turnovers. Um, we held them to six field goal attempts. Uh, you know they they, but I I do agree with you overall. Like we played like shit and we got lucky because if they wouldn't have missed that last field goal, we wouldn't have even had an opportunity to mm. to come back and win the game. So I, I do think we got lucky there, and um, I'm with you. It was the least convincing win I've ever seen. So yeah, we got, they missed the field goal. They fumbled the ball. They fumbled a snap. I think they were in the red, they were close to the red zone. I'm pretty sure they're at least inside our 30. Yeah. Yeah. They fumbled a snap, um, which has nothing to do with us. They missed a field goal. They committed a bunch of like off, like Mike Evans got called for a couple offensive fast interferences in the end zone. Like they kept shooting themselves in the foot. And then we, uh, where I guess I mean that last drive was good. I got to give Cam Newton and everybody the offense credit for the last drive, but uh, they should have done that all game. Well, surprisingly, I'm going to have a little more of an optimistic take than usual for you guys. So, um, the defensive line really impressed me. They had they were getting after Jameis Winston all game, and there aren't many quarterbacks in the playoffs they're going to play that are like Jameis Winston in that sense. Maybe Case Keenum, since apparently he can duck under guys like Captain <laughs> Munerlin, who are like four feet tall. But other than that, the defensive line got after him all game. And that fumbled snap was a play of luck, so it's really hard to analyze that. But they still managed to get after him quite a bit, and that's going to be the formula in the playoffs. It always has been. The teams that have made it to the playoffs, they either have a really solid elite offense or they have a really solid pass rush. So that's the formula that gets you to the Super Bowl. I'm happy with it, and we're getting another piece back this week. Charles Johnson, who may have had some time on his little suspension to rest his back, that's been bothering him this whole time. Yep, and, get and the those, other thing, the worst PADs of all time out of his system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, the other thing I'm super optimistic, optimistic about is the fact that the Panthers' leading receiver in receiving yards was Brenton Burson. So. <laughs> I was happy you know, with that. I, I know you're his number one fan and everything, but let's be real here. We're in trouble. Um, if our number <laughs> one not. receiver is Britton Burson, nope. we're in trouble. I mean, let's be honest here. Our wide receivers going into Sunday against the, the Atlanta Falcons, who are playing for their playoff lives, if I rem- remember correctly, and Gina can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you guys have to beat us to get in, right? No, not necessarily. Or does um, Seattle have to – if Seattle loses, it doesn't matter either if way. If Seattle loses, it doesn't matter because Atlanta holds the tiebreaker. Okay. Um, so we don't have to. But, but you want to. But Seattle plays the Cardinals. Yeah, so you, <laughs> so, you pretty yeah, much need to it's win. It's probably a good idea. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, our wide receivers are Devin Funches, Russell Shepard, Kalen Clay, Brenton Burson, and Mose Frazier. You guys went to the Super Bowl two years ago with Philly Brown and Ted Ginn. So I, I, I really don't want to hear it. Yeah, I really I don't want to hear it. I know. I understand that. And I 
when Brenton Burson is the number one receiver for a game and it's not a game like you're you're 14 and one and you're just you know making sure nobody gets hurt that's a problem mm-hmm. uh, and we're not going to go very far if we need the offense to get in a shootout with somebody that's now, Brad, cool. I don't know how you can say these things about your boy Brent <laughs> I'm actually well, quite, I'm quite offended I'm I'm boosting his confidence. See, I'm I'm giving him something. I'm giving him bulletin board material because I'm pretty sure he listens to the podcast because we're the only people who say positive things about him. <laughs> I, I know his sure mother his certainly brother... seems to be on board with the uh, whole house person. Um, yes, yes he is. Yes. If 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 he wants some more motivation, uh, the one thing he the one target he didn't catch. Literally hit him in the chest and was and fell into the hands of a Buccaneers defender. That was that was great. the most Brenton Burson thing ever. Like <laughs> it hit him square in the numbers. He dropped it. Quan Alexander picked it off, and then the very next drive, if I remember right, Cam throws a laser to him, and he makes an acrobatic catch on first down to get twenty three yards. Like that was the story of Brenton Burson in a nutshell, right there. Those two plays. That was the play where it, he looked like he was throwing it to Greg, right? And yeah. My dad like yelled at the TV when the when it went sailing over Greg's head like oh what are you doing and then person caught like oh okay that's, that's they just give didn't you, know give which white guy to point the camera at that was all <laughs> I was watching I was rewatching Red Zone and when Britton Burson made a catch on the last drive uh, Scott Hansen was like and Greg is that Greg Olson with the catch I think uh, oh no it's no no it's not Greg Olson it's Britton Burson it's just like oh Scott Hansen's racist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. So before we get into that to the next game too much, uh Gina, why don't you give us a breakdown of what happened in the Saints and Falcons game? Because I'm sure oh, not all the Panthers games watched that. Well one more thing from the go Buccaneers ahead, game. I just ahead. want to pat myself on the back. Um I don't know if you were in the Slack chat at all um during the game, Brian. But uh at three forty six I said um, I'm looking forward to us being forced to throw the ball due to the game situation and marching down the field effortlessly for a touchdown. Because yeah. we hadn't we hadn't thrown the ball consistently all game, despite the fact that Tampa Bay's pass defense is atrocious. So I, I and that was exactly what happened. We were forced to throw it because of the score and the time. And surprisingly enough, we gashed the like the league's worst pass defense through the air. I I don't know why we didn't I've yet do that to understand that either. I, I don't understand it. Numbers mean something. Numbers <laughs> tell you stories about things. I, I get that math is hard. I get that people don't like it. But damn it, when you look at a chart and you see 32 teams and you see a ranking of 1 to 32, and at the top of that chart, it says pass defense. And at the very bottom of that chart, it says Tampa Bay Buccaneers, number 32. (laughs) And you look at your schedule and you see Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you realize that you're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You have Cam Newton at quarterback. You have Greg Olson. You have Devin Funches. In the first half, you have Demir Bird, who's come on strong. You have your boy. You have all these players their secondary is trash. It is garbage. It is refuse. It is horrible. It is terrible. It is bad. Why are we running the ball with Jonathan Stewart for two freaking yards on first down? Why do we keep doing these things? Why don't we expose what the other team does badly? Like it's not, it's okay to 
to open up the playbook. It's okay to be in 2017. Hell, it's okay to be in 1997. You know, we're playing like it's 1973 <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's snowing and there's two feet of snow on the ground and nobody can throw. That's the way we approach every single game. And it's, it's frustrating. Damn it. Why do we keep doing this? Well, I'm doing false sense of security. Obviously we, it's, it's, we talk about it all the time. It's like, we, uh, we take their biggest weakness and we just like uh, throw that off the table. Like we're not going to even acknowledge this because that's what they're going to expect. Yeah, they're going to expect us to throw. So we'll just run it at Gerald McCoy all day. Like their best player. We'll <laughs> let him take over the game because they'll never see that coming. Like, yeah. Why? It was, it was a... <laughs> did you watch it at all, Gina? Or did you... I know your game was on at the same time, but I don't know if you I watched, watched it later. I watched bits and pieces. I mean... I cover the whole league for SB Nation, so I have to keep up uh, with as true. much as I can. I watched bits and pieces of it, um, but I didn't get to watch the whole thing. And with the holidays, I haven't even gotten to watch the um, Game Pass version. So It's, it's oh, you're in for a doozy. All right, Brian, <laughs> you can move on now. Okay, so, um, Gina, you obviously watched the Saints-Falcons game. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you give us a little breakdown of that, since obviously these two teams, the Panthers and Falcons, will face each other on Sunday. Well, Brian, it was kind of a shit show, if you want That's to what I know heard. the truth. Yeah, That's it was not heard. it was not great. It was really not great. Saints defense has certainly improved this season, which really pisses me off. I really enjoyed when they were terrible and I could make fun of them and I knew that they weren't gonna win more than seven games in a season. Um, I miss those good old days. And have they had, you know, Marshall Lattimore back on the field and he's legitimately great, but just everything bounced their way. It was insane. Like Marshawn Lattimore, um, one of our receivers, Marvin Hall, drops the ball directly on Marshawn Lattimore's butt. And Marshawn Lattimore manages to pick it up for the interception. Like, how does that happen? Uh, Devontae Freeman had a butt fumble. He ran directly into Alex Mack's ass and dropped the ball in the red zone. Like, it just, when things like that happen, you know that you're not going to win. They were still in a position to win, but there were so many drops, so many penalties, like nine penalties for a loss of 91 yards. It was disgusting. Just a sloppy game. And if they play like that against the Panthers, I really think the Seahawks beat the Cardinals and the Falcons may find themselves, you know, watching from home after going to the Super Bowl last year. And that's going to be a terrible disappointment, but this is a very undisciplined football team. And that's the biggest problem. Sounds like a pretty butt heavy game. It was. Yeah. A lot. It was, that game was, was like ass. That game was there. absolutely ass. That's the game was, was, but the interception was, but the fumble was, but <laughs> yes. everything. So, pretty much. I was very angry. Oh, uh, <laughs> very, I was very mad online about it. And <laughs> I did not enjoy it. So. I, yeah. I saw, I saw though that you had like a chance to make it not so bad because like you picked off Drew Brees on the first play of the second half, yeah. and that was immediately followed up by Devontae Freeman's butt that fumble, was right? The, that was the butt fumble. Yeah, instantly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean like everything that could go wrong went wrong, and it wasn't just. I think that you know the Falcons have been a pretty sloppy team all year, which is frustrating because that is something that they should be able to control. I the penalties, the mental mistakes, the drops. I mean, they're they're tied at the top of the league for drops. This is ridiculous. Julio Jones has the second most drops in the league. And some of those have been errant throws by Matt Ryan, but a lot of them have just been receiver mistakes and flat out drops. And so that's frustrating. And so but they can usually overcome those things. 
if luck breaks their way and if you're you know if you're able to pull in an interception off your own butt luck is not in favor of the other team like it's just not and so that was kind of my take on it it was terrible it was a terrible game and hated it i hate losing the saints i really hate that team their fans were still whining about the officiating from two weeks before and then i'm like oh marshall Lattimore tackled julio jones in the middle of a route before the ball even got there and then they threw a flag and picked it up that doesn't seem like it's within the rules and then they're like oh look at falcons fans complaining about the officiating i'm like yeah it's kind of different it's not like my coach stormed the field like he was gonna fight a ref and got flagged for it that was a different situation because that i mean that's what happened in the falcon saints game a couple weeks before of course sean payton's gonna get flagged for that but if you physically throw a receiver down during the route they said it was uncatchable you know why it was uncatchable because it threw him down <laughs> It was, it was un- from the end of his route. That's it was why. uncatchable because the receiver was on the ground. No penalty. Yeah. I mean, even Julio Jones can't make that catch from the ground 20 feet away from where the ball is supposed to go. So anyway, I bet. Yeah. So, I mean, there were some legitimate gripes with officiating. There were a couple of bad calls. You know, those things kind of tend to even out. It wasn't because the officiating. It was just dumb mistakes and then dumb luck for the Saints, which is just disgusting. I hope that. I hope that the Saints get in because they already are in the playoffs. And I hope that they just get wrecked in well, that most, first playoff game. The most Probably likely scenario us. is the Panthers play them. So, Well, I would, I mean, I would root for the Panthers over the Saints any day. And I mean, I would, Good. like, I would wear a, I would not wear a Panthers jersey, but I would wear a, like a, <laughs> like a, oh, come on Ted, now. You, I would wear like a, a Ted Ben Jr. Or a Kurt Coleman or a, like, I would wear, you know, one of your Ohio State players or one of your former Ohio State players' jerseys. Hey, we also have some pretty sweet t-shirts. Yes, you can buy a hat game. Yeah, the hat game (laughs) t-shirt. Actually, are we talking about Riverboat Ron's t-shirts? Because I'm going to buy all of those. No, we're not. Okay, because I just saw those for the first time today, and it's my new favorite thing. I don't know where he get. I want to know where he gets those from so quickly. Well, I actually have an email out to media relations at the Panthers to find out because I'm like, because I'm writing about these t-shirts next week, but I'm also like seriously into these t-shirts. Like I'm very into these t-shirts. I, I like to believe that Ron has a printing press like in his basement <laughs> and he's making them himself. Did you guys see the picture of Ron with his two dogs at home and he's wearing his own Riverboat Ron shirt and he looks so happy? It's the cutest, like it's the cutest thing that I've ever ever seen i saw this picture i was like i would be friends with ron rivera like legitimately based on this picture forever yeah, he'd be always... friends forever <laughs> so. it, it's great it's crazy too because he does things like that and it makes me love him like he's wearing that shirt you know those t-shirts he wears but then you know on sunday he punts from the 35 yard line when he's losing <laughs> by a touchdown in the fourth quarter Brad, and then i i'm like why do i like you Brian <laughs> will not let that go no, I will not let that go because it was a dumb decision. We've done multiple things like that this year. Ron Rivera always looks like the happiest person in the world when he's photographed. Unless he's on the sideline. Well, yeah, like if he's, if he's he posing looks, for the photo. Or unless he's at the podium after a loss and then he is cranky. Or if you're asking him a question he doesn't want to answer, cranky. Joe Person knows mm-hmm. all about that. Yes, he does. Yeah, Joe Person knows better than anybody. <laughs> I think everybody in the Panthers organization seems to dislike the questions he asks uh-huh. at a press conference. 
Interestingly, well, it's it's Lon McClure. It's Lon McClure in uh in Atlanta because he asks tough questions and nobody wants to answer those. Oh, so. I don't think that's the the same thing we get. <laughs> with, no, that's it's not it's not the same. <laughs> it's like it's like the Panthers beat writer trying to play like gotcha journalism with his own team he covers with the concussion protocol uh, issues and stuff like that. I think he's done that twice. Yeah, where where uh, a player got hit in the head and he like interrogated Ron Rivera on the podium about, are you sure you you uh, uh, upheld or adhere to the concussion protocol? But are you really sure? Because I don't know if you did. And it's like, uh, uh, come on, Joe. You know how to do that. I forgot Not what he like asked him a couple of years ago, but Thomas Davis even told him, uh, you know, don't ever come to my locker again if you need a quote, because I will not speak to you. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. And Thomas Davis is one of the most gentlemanly dudes, you know, despite the bullshit uh, I, I was gonna say, campaign uh, uh, that came out last week. Dirty. dirty player is what you Yeah. Mean. Yeah. But, you know, even he won't talk to Joe Person. So I don't know. I don't know what, what happened, but there's something there. It is interesting because Jonathan Jones, who's with SI now and was at the Observer with Joe, and Joe was kind of a mentor to him. Jonathan and I are friends, and, you know, he's just had nothing but good things to say about him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've like, Joe was even in Atlanta helping cover the Falcons leading up to the Super Bowl last year because once every other team's out, just everybody from everywhere is there. And so um, he's super nice. That's really the only time that I've had a chance to – talk to him and everything but so yeah that it surprises me just because he was nice and he actually asked smart decent questions when he was here so i don't know it's hard to know if you're covering I mean, it, a team like you're trying to get stuff that nobody else is getting and so yeah you know. i mean it could just be a, a a case of he he is asking questions that they're not used to answering because you know we've kind of had the the quote-unquote family atmosphere in mm-hmm. carolina and you know players don't like being asked you know tough questions or whatever so it could, right. could just be that i mean i don't know i've i've never met joe so i can't really speak ill of him mm-hmm. um you know but i'm just going off of what several players have have said in the past um but i really wish jonathan jones were still at the observer though i will say that yeah jonathan's a great He's yeah, a he was reporter. he was a great beat writer. I I, yeah. I almost I almost cried when he left. You know, not literally, <laughs> but uh, I actually really hated it that he left because he's really really good. It's such a good opportunity for him to go national, but yeah, I mean he. No, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have begr- I don't begrudge him at all. He would he would have been a fool to stay. I mean, I think know, that he illustrated calls you take it. I think that he would have been happier to stay like he and I both ended up in the same situation. You know, I can't really cover the Falcons in the same way that I used to because I'm national now and I miss it. I mean, I loved covering one team and developing relationships with those players and coaches. And that's, it's a hard thing. It really is. So, yeah. How do we get talking about journalists? I have no idea, but I actually I'm, am. I am I'm deep in sure this that, conversation. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that I brought it up. So <laughs> I would rather talk about this than talk about the shit show that we saw last week against the Buccaneers. <laughs> and I would rather talk about anything except for the shit show that the Falcons put on the field against the damn Saints of all the teams to drop a game to on Christmas Eve. 
Like, why? Why? You could have done us a favor by winning that game, too, you know? I know. Yeah, like, we all lost. We all lost something special that day, if you ask me. Because I'm still mad, in case you can't tell. I had one more thing I wanted to, one more wound I wanted to run salt in. Uh, Julio Jones caught that pass in the end zone, but it wasn't in the end zone. And then you ended up turning it over on downs on the next play. Mm Mm-hmm. That's yeah. So two two things two things at play there. You know the I think that it's really problematic the catch rule and I I watch that play repeatedly. Like I the catch rule is so ambiguous that I I I mean I think that it was probably the right call. Um, I think that it could have really gone either way if they would have ruled it a touchdown initially. Then I think that they would have upheld it, and since they didn't, then they couldn't. You know, it was just one of those things. I don't know that there was um, irrefutable evidence one way or the other. Like it was just kind of, you know, it was just like right there, and it was too close to call, and you can't really tell if the ball's moving or where he has it secured, and all that kind of stuff. So whatever. But yeah, then the play call on the next play, just like go home. Like if you're going to call those (laughs) plays, just go home because that is not going to work. That was a terrible, terrible play call. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still mad. Actually, I got to take a breath, guys. Was it, was it? (laughs) I hate that game. Uh, Well, that's like, that's like kind of what you're talking about with the, the misfortune of like all, none of the breaks going your way. Did you guys do the, um, bring in extra linemen and jumbo package and then run it up the middle? I don't even remember if they brought an extra lineman off the top of my head. Because this is a game that I have not been able to bring myself to watch again, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. And I don't think that I ever will, because I, gotta go I don't it. think that I have the emotional energy to get that angry again. I know. I just see that. I just look at I remember it was a Devontae Freeman carry, and he got stuffed. Yeah, and like like up the like up the middle. Like, just up the middle. A guy who, a guy who is like 5'5". Five, five. You know, I'm five two. This is what this is like the one player in the entire locker room who doesn't tower over me. And you're just gonna send him up the middle. Okay. And he's That's and he's like so amazing fine. at like stretch plays and off tackle runs. Yes. He is. That's his whole strength. Oh my gosh, I'm so I've mad. Been, I'm, I've, I've, I've been a big uh proponent of not running the ball on the goal line like everybody seems to want to do. Um I looked it up and mm-hmm. I don't know what the numbers are now. This is a few weeks ago. But it's like uh, 49% of plays run with inside, like from the one yard line, results in touchdowns, 49 mm-hmm. run plays, and 69% of passes from the one yard line score touchdowns. So I don't understand why uh, teams continue to insist that, like, we got to run, 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 run when we get that close. You know, I, I, you've told us that stat before, and even yes, before you did that, like even before I knew that statistic or even bothered to care about that statistic, when I watch football with my eyes, the play action bootleg tight end flare out throw is always wide freaking <laughs> ass open in the back yes. of the end zone. I don't know why teams don't just do that every single time. It always works unless the tight end drops the ball. That's the only thing that makes that not work. <laughs> So why are we not doing that? Yeah, it's 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 not just us though. I mean, it's like it's like league wide. Yeah, when thing. I say and we, I mean we as the human teams race that play football. <laughs> why are we not doing that? It it works literally every time. I mean, it's it's the one play in football that is guaranteed to work. The thing that's so funny about it is that um, like, what was I gonna say? 
Oh, the thing that's so funny about it is when they, they bring in extra linemen to just like tack on to the end of the line and then they run up the middle anyway. It's like, what good did having that third tackle outside your normal tackle help on that uh, smash play between the center and the guard? <laughs> why, why, why did you bother with that? All you did was brought more defenders closer to the ball. Because it worked was, before. It worked in 1964. It um, worked. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I saw that, and it's it's got it's it's. I just looked it up again. It's 52 percent of run plays and 67 percent of pass plays from the one score. Wow. Oh, eh, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. If you want to keep going with the lower percentage option. That's that's what gets coaches paid. Relax, calm down. It's okay. Oh, uh, hi, Brian. I'm here. You haven't talked in a while. I was letting you guys go. It's fine. This is what Brian did while we were talking about pets for like half an hour before we got started. <laughs> no. <laughs> Brian, Brian's Brian's like uh, he's like the ultimate point guard, like a facilitator. He just like. He sets it up and then he just sits back and and listens and probably like plays on his PlayStation or something while we talk for ten minutes. I've been scrolling through Facebook looking at memes. To be honest with you, things. <laughs> <laughs> but I I hear that you're not very optimistic about this game, Gina. Uh, no, I'm not. And I just I don't know. You know, I, the last time these teams played, I wasn't that optimistic about it. I don't think. Maybe I picked the Falcons to win. I really can't remember. I can't remember what it's like to have faith in this team. It's been so long. <laughs> I don't remember what we predicted either. But I just think that, you know, you guys are getting Charles Johnson back. Julius oh, Peppers is playing much. like he's 22 years old. You know, Thomas Davis is back. Um I don't care who you've got at receiver. Like I said, I saw what happened in 2015. And that said, the Falcons were the only team to hand y'all a loss in the regular season that year, and the Falcons were bad. And so it's still possible, you know, that Atlanta could do it. Um, but I just, I feel like this team is just in its own head too much and making too many mistakes. And I just don't. Yeah, I just don't feel that great about it. And I think that no matter what, Seattle's going to win. I mean, I just don't see the Cardinals winning that game because the Cardinals are actually bad. I mean, who's starting for them? Drew Stanton, Blaine Gabbert? Like, who, Blaine how Gabbert is, that? is actually Blaine? their starting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, how is No, 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 no. it's just in. It well, is just last week. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's just not going to go well. It doesn't matter how many guys they're missing on defense. Like, they've the defense has actually been okay without them. And so, they're going to lose. I think the Falcons' minds are on the playoffs. And um, That's not a good uh, idea if you're not in the playoffs yet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that they're worried about missing out. You know, I think more than anything, I know, like, as a fan – more than anything, I would love to get back to a Super Bowl and have them actually win so people stop making really dumb, derivative 28-3 jokes. Like, I'm looking we at haven't talked about that yet. Um, what, looking what at you. What was up with the Saints doing that on Sunday? 
We well, here's the thing: the yet. Saints, the Saints don't realize that they weren't in the Super Bowl because they finished seven and nine, and so they were watching from home like everybody else, <laughs> except for the Patriots. The Patriots want to put that score up before Sunday Night Football when they play the Falcons. Okay, because you know what? The Patriots are the team that fought back from that 25 point deficit and won the Super Bowl in overtime. So they can do it. I can't argue with that. The Saints didn't do anything but lose the Falcons twice last year and once this year. And so that's really their claim to fame. If they want to put up a one and three sign or something to talk about their record against the Falcons the last two years, I'm cool with that because that's something that they actually accomplished a one and three record against the Atlanta Falcons in 2016, 2017. Otherwise they just need to shut up. And the fact that they did it not once, but like 85 different ways was so childish and stupid and it made me so annoyed and it's like the guys from canal street chronicles wrote their joke ideas because they were so derivative and bad and so anyway that's just that that's just me i'm I'm a little bit salty i want to to revisit that uh that fourth and goal play real quick because i found it um the play the clip of it you guys Mm -hmm. you didn't bring on extra linemen but you brought all the receivers in tight to the formation and then you motioned Justin Hardy's 14, right? Yes. Yeah, Wait a minute. Him yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Where he was standing with his hand on the back of the tight end, uh, kind of functioning as a lead blocker for Devontae Freeman, and somehow it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I which uh, probably didn't work because he's tiny and not a great blocker. I think his block was okay, but you also had all 11 people within like five feet of the ball, and they're just surprisingly there was no room for Devontae Freeman to run. It's weird how that works. Yeah. But yeah. What did the Saints do for the yeah, 28 to 3 stuff? I didn't see any of that. They had they some a banner, didn't they? they God. Yeah. They had no, actually, this is what they did. They had first of all, so with some fan rented a plane and bought a banner that said 28 to 3 Merry Christmas. And so I looked it up because I wrote about it before the game for SB Nation, and I looked it up, and it costs like $350 an hour for the plane, plus 100 bucks for the banner itself, at minimum. And so my thought process is this. Even if you just have it fly for an hour, you just wasted $450 that nobody gives a shit about. Like, seriously, nobody cares. That's the stupidest thing that I've ever heard of. You're flying it over your home stadium where it's going to be mostly (laughs) fans. You're not hurting anybody's feelings. It's a dome. Falcons players have been in there since 10 a.m. They can't see it. You're not accomplishing anything but wasting your hard-earned money. Jokes on you. Jokes on you. Uh, The second thing that that the team actually did was, and this was, okay, now this one was kind of funny. You know when they um, imploded the the old Georgia Dome? Yes. And how the Marta bus pulled in front of the light, which did spark some pretty fantastic memes, I have to say. So the Saints did have a Marta bus pull in front of like pull across the screen when the Falcons were coming onto the field. So a block like <laughs> that was actually funny. Like I I, I, to, I like that. I do I like have to that. Hand it to them. I thought that that was very humorous. But it was not a 23 joke. It was just actually mm. a funny joke for once. Um mm. and then the third thing was they had some kind of dance troupe, an all-male dance troupe performing at halftime which I don't know, man. But <laughs> I'd rather have frisbee dogs myself, but 
I don't make the rules. Or dogs and riding on, or monkeys riding on dogs, things like exactly. that. Exactly. Monkeys riding on dogs, top one halftime show of all time. Uh, the best ever. And so, but the, the all-male dance troupe did a formation that was 28 to 3. So. Okay, so that's I saw a picture of that. That's what that was. Okay. Yeah, so that was it. So that those were all the pranks that they pulled. And one was funny. So, I mean, one out of three ain't bad, I guess. Those, Good job, those, guys. Those pranksters, them. So <laughs> yeah. funny. Those damn rascals, them. Yeah, those little rascals. Also, I, Brian mentioned Facebook, and I was like, I should actually close out of Facebook because I'm, you know, plugged in here through my computer. And so I open it up, and the first thing that I see is your memories on Facebook. And it, the, my memory is from December 28th, 2008, and it says, I w- wonder why the Saints continue to be the bane of my existence. <laughs> the, the, more things, the more things change, the more they say the same. Nine years ago, nine years ago, yep. I felt the same way as I feel today. Exactly nothing, the same. Just... Nothing in my life, no relationship in my life has ever been as enduring as my relationship of hatred with the <laughs> New Orleans Saints. <laughs> At least there's some sort of consistency somewhere in your life you can always fall back on. True, true. No matter what happens, you're like, you know what? At least I still have the Saints to hate. Yes, it it no is. It's nice happens. to have that kind of constancy in my life. It's yeah. very nice. <laughs> What I'm does does the the game that you guys played against us earlier factor into your pessimism for uh for this coming Sunday? I think it's just is, a combination of having watched this team all season and just being acutely aware of how little this team resembles the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. You know, the the things that have been consistent are the mental mistakes, the lack of discipline. Um, the defense has actually improved, which is nice to see, especially because it's a young defense. And I think they've gotten steadily better over the course of the season. But really, the offensive mistakes kill them every time. And special teams is actually quite bad. And so just across the board, I mean, that's really something I haven't been able to say for years and years and they're I mean they're terrible they're terrible in punt and kick coverage they're terrible like the punter has had some terrible games which is very unusual Matt Bryant has missed a lot more often than he has in the past and so it's just you know it's kind of a comedy of errors at this point and so it's not really the last Panthers game it's just I think a cumulative effect having watched this team all season and just being generally frustrated with the fact that I spend so much of my life and my emotional energy on this, <laughs> which, does it, which does I it question you, some days. Does the, does the pessimism that Brad and I and not Brian have after the Buccaneers game help you feel any better about your chances for Sunday? Nope. No, not at all. Well, maybe this will make you feel better. The only reason we beat you guys last time we played is because Julio Jones did something. He does one out of every, oh, I would say 10,000 times. Except that, except not the sheer. Except not the sheer. Because again, like he's, he is tied for second in the league for drops with seven. And so they're not always wide open touchdowns, but there are certainly passes that he should be hauling in. I mean, that guy's catch radius is from like here to Jupiter. So there's really not any excuse for him to be dropping any balls. And I can understand if it's a way off target pass from Matt Ryan. And some, like I said, some of the passes that other guys have dropped, I can, I can charge those to Ryan, but really the ones that Julio has dropped have, they've been more on him. And so, yeah, that's that. I think that that's actually the perfect example of why I'm pessimistic because 
up until this season, I would have said the same thing that you just said about it. And this season, I'm like, nope, now he just kind of drops balls sometimes. I mean, he just does it. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah Brad, how dare you reassure the Falcons fan in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> my my turn to try to be reassuring. Um, I'm going to read a little, not to read it, but I'm going to recite some stuff I've I researched today. Um, in our last four games, starting with like being most of the Saints, we've been on the field, the defense has been on the field for 46 drives. We forced 10 punts in 46 drives. Wow. That That's actually does make me feel slightly better. We forced a lot more turnovers, though. That's a we have 11 time. turnovers and three missed field goals in those 46 drives. Well, now I feel yeah. a little bit less better. We've, about we've it. been. Exactly. It's a lot of. But the thing is, like, turnovers are kind of like they could they can come and go like at any time it's like if we don't force a turnover the other team marches down the field against us like we're very we're not stifling other teams offenses like we did at the beginning of the year it, we're we're now almost solely reliant on turnovers to keep teams out of scoring range all right well time for me to beat the to beat the meta drum here since we apparently have all flipped scripts on being pessimistic and optimistic but okay um, <laughs> This Panthers defense has been very, very good against the rushing game over the last few weeks. And you can look at the stats. You can look at, you know, the overall stats at the end of the game. But the bottom line is that if you actually watch the Panthers defense, they have been really, really good against the run. And a lot of times they've shot themselves in the foot with stupid plays like penalties and whatnot. Um, In the passing game, they had a few big gains that were negated or they – they had a few big gains that happened last week, but a lot of them happened after stupid penalties by the defense, like uh, Starla Tule essentially negating a safety for the Panthers' defense. So I think people are kind of underplaying what the Panthers' defense has been doing because of the fact that just because they, they're box score scouting it. But from what I've seen on the field, this defense is swarming like crazy to, the, to an effect that I haven't seen in a long time. So. I was talking about it on the Facebook Live with the Falcoholic, but it seems like people expect this defense to give up yards and chunks throughout the playoffs. But if they shore up those mistakes, which a lot of them are really stupid, just, you know, mental mistakes, there's not going to be a lot of yardage gained. It's going to be really hard. It's been hard all season to push the ball into the end zone for this defense. So, that's all I have to say about that. Like this defense is a lot better than people are giving credit for. And there's, and people are still giving them good credit for being a good defense. Like they are one of the best defenses I've seen in Carolina in a long time. Counterpoint. We've allowed 5.9 yards per play in the last three games, which is like the second worst, or just like one of the worst in the marks in the league. Yeah. What we tend to do is we play well, but then we'll give up a 35 yard run. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You know, or then we'll give up a 60 yard run and then we'll give up a 20 yard run and then we'll shut them down and then we'll give up another 20 yard run. You know, we have chunk plays against us that kind of skew that, but I I'm kind of with John We're our, our defense is kind of crappy lately. It's, it's not like, yeah, the average is not very representative in that. It's like the majority of plays. Well, yeah, the majority of plays they're good. The problem is we've been giving up these chunk plays more more and more often as the weeks have gone on, uh, with Tampa Bay being really, really bad. In ter- that or was we bad, I will be, give you that. Where, which is 
their offense is all right, but like we gave up your gave plays of 30, 36, 39, 28, 70, and then a 34 yard rush all in the same game. Like that is very, very bad to a team that's like half their rosters on injured reserve. Well, fine then. Yeah, this is, so it's basically you're wrong. You're wrong, you're wrong Brian. You're wrong. <laughs> so I, I get what you're saying, though, in that um, it's not it's it's not all bad. It's not like it's we're just getting consistently gashed. But the the mental errors and the breakdowns are happening too often right now. Like exactly, like on one play they look borderline dominant. I mean, like what was that? Like the first first couple runs for Buccaneers that was like two, three, four-yard losses, and that happened in the same way against the Vikings and the Packers. Like, But, yeah, you're exactly right. The chunk plays are what make the difference. And all I was saying is that Carolina can make those not as much of an issue very easily from a coaching standpoint, but the large majority of the time, their defense looks elite. So We gave up 12 plays of 15 or more yards to Tampa Bay on that- Sunday. That play, that game was bullshit. I'm gonna just throw <laughs> that out there first of all, because that's that's not what I've seen from them for the last six weeks prior to that. So six of twenty or more yards. That's you feel better yet, Gina? Actually, yeah. I I, I feel like what you're saying is whichever team makes more mental mistakes and just screws <laughs> up more is gonna lose. And so it really could go either way, right? It's exactly what you want to see for yeah. two teams getting ready for the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. You just want to see which team can screw it up the least to yeah. get their <laughs> I mean, way I, in. I think we're at a disadvantage, too, for reasons that aren't really, quote-unquote, football-related as far as Atlanta versus Carolina. Because if you look at it, New Orleans, all they have to do is beat a 4-11 and Tampa Bay team that has half their team on injured reserve. If they uh-huh. can't do that, then they don't deserve to win the division anyway. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're going to beat Tampa. There's no question, pretty much. So Carolina... Well, I hope not. Now, let, now I let's not, not go overboard. I, I hope, hope not. not. But I, I don't think Tampa really stands much of a chance, you know. And Carolina has to know this deep down. They have to know that their their chance of winning the division is maybe, I would say, 5%. So, yeah, they're going to, quote, unquote, play to win the division. But that's going to be in the back of their head. They're going to be distracted. I'm not going to get into the the owner being a incorrigible goblin, um, but that is a distraction as well. You know, the whole media circus surrounding Jerry Richardson that's a distraction. Um, so, and you know, Carolina knows they're in the playoffs. There's no pressure as far as we have to win this game or we're out. So, I think they're going to take the their foot off the gas a little bit too much. I think they're going to let Atlanta come back and win this game in the second half. I mean, I, I I do think Carolina will probably have a good first half. We'll jump out to a 17 to 10 lead or something like that. But in, 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 in the second half, Atlanta will probably come back and win something like 28 to 17 or, you know, 24, 17, something like that. I, I, I just, I don't see us winning this game. I, I could definitely see uh, a classic Mike Shula offense where we come out gangbusters in the first quarter and a half and then uh, stop moving the ball entirely for the entire second half. Got to drain the clock. <laughs> you you get that 7 nothing lead, it's time to take the air out of the football. Matt Ryan can't beat you if he doesn't have the ball. Time to <laughs> drain the clock. 
It's it's like it's like seven to it's three to nothing. We're, we'll be trying to drain the clock in the first, the first quarter, and we'll be trying to drain the <laughs> damn clock for the rest of the game. Uh, our our play calling is infuriating. If you haven't noticed, do you want to do you want to trade offensive coordinators so we can hate the other one a little less for a little bit while we have that like new factor? Yeah, let's do it. Because you guys don't like Steve Sarkeesian, do you? You know, I feel like he's gotten slightly better, but no, I mean he's no <laughs> Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I yeah. can just say that right now. So why not? It can't get worse. It can't get more oh. vanilla and inconsistent. Oh, trust me, it can. Get <laughs> it can get much, much worse. So I mean, here's what we we deal with. It's like, sorry, Brad. It's like we will run some of these crazy, deceptive misdirection plays that are like beautifully drawn up and will have great route combinations. So I'm not faulting him as a play designer. But then it's like, we'll run these, and 90% of them will come in, like, the first drive of the game. And then the rest of the game is just, like, I-formation power football. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If you take Mike Shula's first 15 plays, the, the quote-unquote scripted plays, and that's all you watch, you would think he's the greatest offensive mind in, that has ever been involved in football. Because, like John just said, we're great in those first 15 plays. But it's... We get into, oh, well, we've got to protect the lead. I mean, and, you know, us watching the game, we're sitting here going, well, you know, we just scored a, we just kicked a field goal. And there's like 53 minutes left in this game. <laughs> you know, we probably need to try to score more than three points. And one of the biggest problems that Mike Shula's offense has is they rely on everything going just right. Like it has to be perfect. You know, we, we run a play on first down. It's usually a run up the middle, and it gains two yards. So it's second and eight. Next play is a 20-yard bomb that's incomplete. So it's third and eight. Now we have to run a play that is guaranteed to go nine yards. The defense knows this, and we can't do it. So, you know, rinse and repeat over and over and over. And eventually the defense gets gassed because they've been on the field for so long. And then the other team comes back and takes over and we either miraculously come back because Cam Newton decides to do what he did last week and just say, you know, screw this. I'm going into Cam Newton mode or we lose. And we've been dealing with this for what, five years now. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's time for a change. I secretly I, hope we win the Super Bowl just so someone, anyone will hire Mike Shula. That's, yeah, that's why you want us to win the Super Bowl. I, yeah, I honestly couldn't even <laughs> care less if we win the Super Bowl anymore for winning the Super Bowl. I mean, I want to be able to tweet, you know, we won the Super Bowl, but I want somebody to hire Mike Shula. That's my end game because I think it's time for a change. I wouldn't be surprised if we have the most plays run on third down in the entire league. It's like he we likes like third, third down. Third like he yeah. wants to prove to his dad that he can beat third down. And, you know, it's okay to get a first down when it's second. And we four. are. We've Jesus had the two most plays on third you? down this year. Who hurt me? Mike Shula hurt me. Just so, so angry about at him right now. I mean, like, yes, he's, he's, he's been calling good games over the last few weeks. I mean, like, no, he hasn't. He's been calling good <laughs> first, first quarters. 
Yeah, we're I'm winning. Brian's just we're <laughs> winning because we have Cam Newton. If it weren't for Cam Newton, we would be you know five and eleven right now, or five and ten right now. Yeah, that I don't disagree with. No. Definitely and we're not. wasting it. We have a generational talent at quarterback. And I mean, Falcons and Saints and Bucks fans hate him, but they have to at least agree, other than the whole quote unquote scam Newton bullshit. He's good. He's oh, yeah. a he's a good quarterback. And you have to hate him because he beats your ass. It's just like I hate Drew Brees on the football field. I hate Matt Ryan on the football field. I don't like Jameis at all, but I you know. <laughs> I hate him on the football I'm the same field. up there. I also yeah. just generally don't like Drew Brees. I don't like his whole advocate business. I don't like him. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, a, it's a Cam, I, Cam, I'm okay with off the field. Yeah, also, off the field. Also, I, I, think that Cam, I think that Cam gets way too much shit for just being himself on the field, and I think that that's unreasonable. Um, yeah. And so, like, Cam, I don't have an issue with Cam, except for I don't like losing to him. That's it. Yeah, and that's why I don't like Matt Ryan. I don't like losing to Matt Ryan. I don't like losing to Drew Brees. I don't like – but they're all like good quarterbacks. I mean, I, I don't like, like Drew Brees. Brees. He licks his fingers between every play and how oh, he always God, has to adjust his shoulder pads. I'm, I'm, and adjust his helmet. I'm a, yeah. Ever since I don't remember. Ever since that game. Eating that first down snap. <laughs> Everything that gave me missed this where he would lick his fingers and clap every time they broke the huddle. So I, I, hated that. I actually forgot about that till you mentioned that, and now I'm really creeped out. That's disgusting. It, I, I don't know if you've ever like if you pay attention to him, he has to adjust his shoulder pads about 484 times a game. Like you know every single he's he, actually tiny. I think they're too big for him. He throws the ball and he's like pulls on his shoulder pads. He licks his finger. He adjusts his chin strap. Pulls on his shoulder pads. Pulls on his shoulder pads again. Licks his fingers again. He just like doesn't oh. stop moving. It's like, just stop. Stop it, Drew. So I think that may have watch. been that may have been a result of Greg Hardy realigning his neck back in 2013. <laughs> just saying. He's still trying to he's still trying to get the kinks out of it. Yeah. If you Every see him, he, he turned it he, he turned into little foot from, from uh the land before time when Greg Hardy hit him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, he did. <laughs> That's I an really, old school I really right there, Hardy, but that gentlemen. is a very pleasant memory. I can't lie. <laughs> the funniest thing that like ever a brontosaurus. <laughs> Did you guys ever see the GIF where, like, it showed that hit, and then it like all the next part of the GIF was him at the press conference, and it had his neck stretched out to like the whole top of the GIF. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was my favorite thing that came out of that play. So he's like sitting at the press conference with like a foot long neck. Gosh, I enjoyed that so much. <laughs> I forgot how much I enjoyed that. That was that explains why he's become such a good passer over the last few years because he can he's actually a, see over he his can pocket see now. over the offensive yeah, line. Finally. He's six three now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I didn't expect myself to pull that reference out, so I'm patting myself on the back for that one. But, I'm quite yeah. honestly surprised that you know that reference because you're. <laughs> millennial and that movie is older than you are so no, i watched that movie when i was a kid i don't remember anything about it but it was it was a thing that we watched people Brian's of our a age a millennial so he doesn't count he does have a point yeah, yeah. that is true I'm land before him, time but... came out in 1988 oh wow i was just a little too old for it i've never seen it I was what? not alive at that point, but I was not so either. You, it is older than you are. I was right. 
I was. I, I watched was, it when I was, I was a kid. I was eight years old. Well, that doesn't mean it was. You know, I watched things that came on in the seventies when I was a kid. That doesn't mean that you know. I mean, we have these things called VHS tapes. At least back then, we did. What's a VHS tape? <laughs> Lol, JK. Uh, so do we want to get on to our actual? Well, I guess we kind of did that. I don't know. Do we want to? Do we want to like have really our official? School. Official score like we didn't do score predictions or anything. Yeah, we didn't have any score predictions yet. There yeah, were we there were there were some soft score predictions thrown in there. Like they weren't they weren't hard committing. They were just like they were just like the, well, let's get the some rock hard score predictions. Like then. yeah, we'll meet up at some point. That was the kind of score predictions we had. So, um, perfect analogy. Yeah. So, yeah. John, Dude, go ahead. You're doing a good job, Brian. Thank you. I'm try- trying my best, <laughs> <laughs> um, John. Uh, the Falcons, your... Falcons thirty, Panthers twenty-one. Dang, thirty points yeah, for the Falcons—they're averaging like twenty-one points per game, I believe, right? Yeah, now. and I just feel like Julio Jones is gonna like drop one and catch two really long touchdowns. That's fair, I guess. Um, Brad, go ahead. Uh, Panthers fifty-six, Falcons three. So we get another one of the, the Ron Rivera gifts then is what you're telling me. I'm hoping so. <laughs> uh, my real, you should go real prediction. I, I, I really think we'll probably win uh, 21 to 17 or some shit like that. Or some shit like that. I was like hoping that. you were going to go like 56 to 1. <laughs> I really want to see. <laughs> one I really want to see. If, in a, you can, I really want to see an NFL team score one point in a game. That'll make you me so happy. You actually can. It's, yeah, you can now. What? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, you didn't, yeah. yeah. If okay. you get a safety on a safety on an extra attempt. point attempt is one point. Yes, wow. that would be incredible. Um, Gina, what <laughs> is the your Falcons? I'm the Falcons are going to lose twenty-one to seventeen, and I'm going to be so mad that if you guys don't like profanity, just steer clear of my tweets for a few days because it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be probably pretty vulgar. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I love that you're like 100% expecting a loss and you're still going to be infuriated when it happens. Oh, hell yeah, yeah, I will be. I mean, because it'll just be unnecessary and stupid and it's going to make me very angry. I'm already still mad about last week. I haven't let this go. Of course, I'm not going to let it go if they miss the playoffs because they can't beat the Panthers. Gina's brand, Gina's brand is mad online, so that I totally is. get it. Yep. <laughs> yep, it is. My score prediction is a 20-16 Panthers loss. Because I think... That stupid superstition thing, huh? I, <laughs> I refuse to buy into this Panthers team after they lost to the Bears, Brad. I refuse. <laughs> I refuse. It was the Bears' loss. That broke me. Not- that has broken me. Because the last time... So, let me let me tell you a story. In 2015, the Panthers were doing pretty well. And then when they actually made the, the playoffs, I said, Seattle's probably going to beat Carolina. The Panthers beat them. And then I said, well, the Cardinals are definitely going to beat Carolina because they're a much more talented team. And Carolina beat the shit out of them. So then when I was like, you know what? The Panthers can win this Super Bowl. The Panthers lost. So... After this year, when they finally got my hope back a little bit, 
after beating the Patriots. Then they lost to the freaking Chicago Bears, where they completed four freaking passes. Mitch Trubisky completed four freaking passes. I refuse to buy into this team anymore. So I will predict a loss for the rest of my life <laughs> because of that. Because there is no way we should have lost that game. So I think that Matt Bryant is going to have himself a hell of a game, and the Panthers will lose and will mostly field goals. I would be down with losing if we lose like 21 to 18 and it's all field goals. I would be cool with that. This is exactly what we talked about with the Packers. Yeah. yeah with, the Packers <laughs> with, with quote unquote with better Brian. Brian. Yes. It's a heavy field yeah. goal podcast. We're big on the field goals. We do love field goals. We love Packers special teams. people too. Brad is a big guy, is a big advocate of punters. So. <laughs> They're the most important player on the team. I'm a big fan of punters too. Field position matters. It does. It's a huge advantage. He hasn't talked about punters much since Brad Norman left, though. Which is, which is, if there's a punter that's worth uh, a lot of talk, it's it's Michael Pilardi. I know, right? Well, I, I don't want to jinx him because you know Brad Norman kind of sucked. So. <laughs> <laughs> I will Brian, say, I have, a, I have a question for you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, for I, I, I think I. Yes, I think I bring this up every week because you keep talking about how you lost faith in the team after the Bears game. Every, I, I feel like every single team has had a game like that this year, though. Like the Patriots lost to the to the Dolphins. The Steelers also lost to the Bears. Like, so didn't thoroughly dominate the Bears on offense like the Panthers did. Like, who did? The Bears the have no business winning that game based on their offensive statistics. Like, they had, like, what, like, less than 150 yards total on offense? Something like that. Yeah, it was very stupid. It was very they unfortunate. Kicked, they kicked one field goal on offense, and their one player on defense scored two spe- two touchdowns on, def- like, on defensive turnovers, and Carolina still couldn't come back and put anything on the board. It's ridiculous. Like It was bad. It was a bad it game. It was really bad. It. it was a terrible game. I mean, I covered this a couple of weeks ago for CSR, but, you know, if we would have won that game to – this week wouldn't matter. We would already be, um, well, we would need to win. So we would clinch the division, but cause I think the saints could tie us, but you know, we, we would be in a much better spot than we are right now. We played John freaking Fox for God's sakes. Like, it's not like anybody in Carolina doesn't know what he's going to do, which is punt on fourth down and run a draw on third and long. Like what the hell guys? <laughs> but John Fox is known for punting on fourth down. Unlike most coaches. Yeah. <laughs> well, punt on four. I should have said punt on fourth down and inside the opponent's territory. I meant to say. Oh, yeah. You, you left out a very important part I of that. I did leave that part out. I'm sorry. But <laughs> regardless, like, we know John Fox's formula run the ball as much as you can, punt the ball every chance you get, unless it's like a chip shot. And, you know throw the ball like less than 10 times a game. That's that's his that's his formula. We know this as Panthers fans and everybody in the goddamn organization knew that. Why did we let this happen? How did this happen? How did we lose to the Bears? By football, that Football man. It's football. It's stupid. That's what it is. It is a stupid sport. But we love it so much. <laughs> Do we? Do we really? I kind of hate <laughs> yeah, it after that game. Not. I lost. I lost a lot of love for the game after that game. So, God, it killed, it killed that, my spirit. That's like, that's like the most traumatic event of Brian's like, life. 
you have no idea how long I was on the shelf with my personal life after that. People would be like, hey, you want to come out and have a few drinks with us? Or, hey, you want to go to this party? And I was like, nah, Panthers lost the Bears on Sunday. I'm done. Brian, it's it's December 20th. Why are you still talking about that? Because I it's just now got out of it. That's what your friends are saying to you when you refuse to go out with them for the eighth straight week after the Bears loss. Yeah. I just sat at home and stared at my... <laughs> Stared at I mean, my picture of John Fox and just we're like what cried. seven and one since that game or something like that. I mean, yes, yeah, for real, the Panthers. Need, the Panthers. I will. I will be honest before we'll get out of the trolling here for a minute. But the Panthers seem like they need a loss like that every year, and I think that like set things straight for them because the Bears are not the Bears are not a great team, but they have a lot of pieces that could make them a very a very good team in the next one to two years, and I think Carolina needed to lose that game to realize like, you need to come out and play every game. Yeah, it's kind of like what happened in the Falcons game, and we went 15-1. That was our loss to a bad team. Yep. Right, Gina? Yeah, 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 yeah. Was that really fun? Beating Uh, the 14-0 Panthers? Huh? Was that a really fun game to watch when the Falcons beat the 14-1 Panthers? Yeah, that was a fun game to watch. And I can't lie, like, I was in the press box, and, you know, you're not allowed to cheer in the press box, but I wanted to. I didn't do it, but I wanted to, because it, especially after you guys shut us out in Carolina, it was at that game, too. It was just a really good feeling. (coughs) Excuse me. I have a cold, and so I'm trying not to cough. It's okay. It's probably about time to end the show anyway. Brian. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> that would be the host's job. So, well, I mean, I lost I lost track of how much time we've been on the podcast, and you guys spend a one half hour, hour three minutes, that. and forty three seconds. That seems sufficient. Sorry. All right, knock it off. We get it, Gina. Um, <laughs> we get it. You're sick. That's enough. Um. Okay. So. Uh, John, Brad, any lasting thoughts or impressions? I'll just let one of you or either no. both of you go. I don't really care. Buy our hat game t-shirt. <laughs> it is a sick t-shirt. I finally got mine. It was awesome. To the right address? It did go to the right address. And like I said, the last time we talked about it, they corrected my mistake and sent me the t-shirt free of charge. And it did get there before Christmas, despite the fact that I didn't really care if it got there before Christmas. So that was cool. That was really cool. Buy it just for the customer service, even if you don't like the shirt. Yep. Gina. Yes. Want to want to plug yourself slash anything going on with the Falcoholic that Crazy. you should know about? Sure thing. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas. If the Falcons lose on Sunday, y'all might actually really enjoy my tweets because I will be furious. Um. And I am not writing that much Falcoholic these days because it's too busy at SB Nation with the playoffs coming and Black Monday just around the corner and coaches getting fired. We're getting ready for all that stuff. So uh, I do have something coming next week on your head coach's T-shirt choices, which I think are delightful. And um, hopefully we're going to get it together to do a falcoholic podcast this week but i don't know david and i are both sick which makes everything a little bit more difficult to pull off so yeah so basically yeah find me on twitter and i apologize in advance for the swears 
That's okay. And by the way, just so you guys both know, no sick days here. If you can't make it, you're fired. So, so you both know. I missed the show yet. You haven't? Like you. I'm the only one that's it. Actually, firing people. That's my job. <laughs> but I'm the host, Brad. So? <laughs> well, anyway, from all of us here at the CSR Podcast, thank you for joining us. And Gina, thank you for joining us as a guest. Good luck to the Falcons. Yeah, no problem. Good luck to the Falcons. And hopefully both teams, no matter how the playoffs go, there's no injuries or no serious injuries. So, but yeah, from all of us here at CSR Podcasts and our friends from the Falcoholics, have a good new year, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Thanks, Gina. Later. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Well, this ain't no side show. This is the great unknown. This is the poison we take.
it's so hot outside. Time to go bowling. Stay cool at Bolero. With air-conditioned lanes, ice-cold beer, and a striking selection of signature cocktails. Roll in, chill out, and have fun. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.